Section 14 of Unprofessional Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Logan Lorenz. Unprofessional Tales by Norman Douglas. The Devil's Oak. Those low, rounded hillocks near the mansion with their emerald moss of exquisite softness and lichen-encrusted stones, are all that now remains of an ancient and renowned monastery wherein was preserved, for many long years, a relic of no small interest. But alas for the permanence of man's best works. The country was invaded in the early days of the Crusades by certain of the revolted peasantry, who impiously sacked and burned the convent slaughtered the good monks, and filched the relic, albeit worthless to themselves. To expiate this crime, the prince of the country, not long afterwards, caused the venerable forests of oak and juniper and fir to be hewn down and dragged into the swollen wintry torrent that tossed them past hamlets and villages into the calm river and the docks of the city, where they were wrought into proud galleys, that swept the blue ocean and bore the terror of christian valor into distant pagan lands much of this forest indeed might have been destroyed without disadvantage at an earlier period for it was said to have been so dense in the days before the monastery was yet built and when the light of the gospel yet shone but faintly in this darkness that not every one had the heart to venture into its seclusion they feared the gloom that brooded over it they feared too its evil repute for it was known with certainty that bloody abominations had formerly been observed in this very glen by such as loved not well-built churches but raised altars to their foul gods in the natural shade of a grove and strange it is to think how hard they died these devils practices considering the effulgence of our divine faith and how long divers of those heathen shapes that Christian saints could not kill outright nor subdue, were permitted to linger in sequestered clefts or in the stony desert, where they have been encountered at various times, face to face, by the men of God, as may be read in their lives. In those days, therefore, when little was ascertained and all was believed, it was commonly supposed, among the poorer sort of folk, that some such evil spirits, did still reside in this dark vale, and the more reasonably supposed, inasmuch as not a few of the early converts to Christianity, woodcutters and others, who had dared to penetrate into the forest, never more returned to their homes. Not a vestige of them was ever found. It was indeed as if they had been clean-spirited away, but the full truth of the matter was not revealed until one morning, when a certain young woman of the country, Uswaita by name, poor, but renowned for her Christian piety, left that small village, whose site is now no longer remembered, to gather berries with her child under the trees. It is reported that they had not wandered far before the little one, oppressed maybe with the unaccustomed heat of early summer, began to cry of weariness. And the woman likewise, strong as she was, suddenly felt drowsy to a wondrous degree. Then, looking around her in the green twilight of overhanging trees, she espied near at hand an oak of great age, 
standing somewhat apart by itself, stout and comely, decked in glittering leaves, without a blemish, a prince among his fellows, whose far-projecting and high-perched roots seemed to invite her, as one who should say, Come, lie down and rest at my foot. And soon enough, alas, she lay down with the child in her lap, and was charmed by the beguiling murmur of the leaves into a deep sleep, a fatal sleep. But what her dreams were, God alone can tell. The afternoon, meanwhile, drawing on apace, her husband went to seek her, nor had he proceeded far before he heard wailings and heart-rending cries in the forest that led him to where stood the oak and where his beloved wife was even now perishing miserably. For the high-perched roots, enkindled and enlivened by some subtle device of the devil, had clasped mother and child in a stubborn embrace, and closed in about them beyond the power of his strong arm, smothering her piteous lamentations, whilst the unholy tree quivered with exertion, its arms swelling like brawny muscles, and its rough bark oozing beads of sweat. Last of all, her long golden hair, loosened in the struggle, was slowly sucked into its knotty heart, and wherever a drop of crimson blood had fallen to earth, the boughs bent down and greedily lapped it up, nodding for joy. And, in a trice, the hellish growth had assimilated its bloody banquet, and its leaves, fluttering with transports of delight, glowed more defiantly brave and beauteous than before. Heaven knows how many had already yielded up their lives to its enchantment, but the husband turned to flee, stumbling in a trance back to his village. Now, whether this ancient oak had witnessed in its youth the revels and solemnities paid in this grove to the old gods, and had thus itself imbibed by a satanic principle somewhat of the monstrous notions of those early days, or whether, in the olden time, its roots were wont to be drenched with the blood of human sacrificial victims, and were thereby turned from their natural appetite to prey upon such foul humors, or whether, as some maintained, certain of the banished heathen spirits did truly still haunt this valley, taking up their abode in this tree, and clustering among its branches, whatever may be the true exposition of this marvel, and God alone knows, Sure it is that this oak never forgot the false gods of its youth, but clung to them with more than human pernacity, for we human creatures do justly change upon occasion, clung to them and revenged them with a hateful and vindictive spirit, resentful of our new resplendent faith, and satiating its unhallowed lust with Christian blood, a strange example of perverted nature. A strange example indeed, and its purport altogether beyond our wretched comprehension, were it not for that which thereupon ensued, whereby the worth of such prodigies for the good government of mankind is made manifest. For, as concerns the woman's husband, he returned to his village, but found few, or none, among the more enlightened, disposed to give ear to his ravings. They called him Moonstruck, possessed of the devil, and what not, and many on that account were for casting him out into the woods whence he came, as was then the custom. But Uswida never returning, the priest finally, with certain others of the country, 
resolved to accompany him to the spot in order to view the oak and to pronounce upon it the formula of excommunication and this they did more to humour him than from any belief in his tale for they supposed the woman perished through some more natural mishap thus the holy man came and stood before the tree and commenced fervently to utter the sentence and while he yet spake the words the truth was revealed for the oak's fresh leaves of spring withered and fell faster than flakes of wintry snow while the turgid trunk rocked to and fro and writhed in agony lashed by the word of the almighty suddenly with the most prodigious crash it fell to earth and all the spectators bowed the knee before the apparent miracle nevertheless even in the very agony of death it was not unmindful of its old faith for a certain melanus a pious man and nephew to the priest approaching too near in his ardour to witness the divine prodigy was crushed to death under the weight of its falling trunk then all departed and left it lying and there it lay for many days and many months till a woodman passing by chance near the same spot did observe that one of its branches had again put forth fresh leaves in defiance of the power of god this self-same branch therefore was incontinently lopped off and tortured into the shape of a cross and it was put aside in a small chapel that was built to commemorate the event soon afterwards upon the actual ground where the devil's oak had stood meanwhile the report of this miracle was noised abroad into all lands till it became a notorious matter and hundreds and thousands flocked together to visit the chapel where the oak had stood and to contemplate the relic therein preserved so that in the end the once humble chapel grew into a frequented place of pilgrimage and ultimately into a rich and powerful monastery and yet who would believe it this fragment of wood although fashioned into the sacred album of our faith and stored away in a consecrated edifice all these many hundreds of years was never truly reformed to our belief but remained up to the last crooked and green and twisted awry in mockery many a monk and pilgrim of seemingly pure heart hath strained the strength of his piety upon the rebellious log and sought with tears and prayers to wipe this shame from off the face of the earth in vain the oaken cross did crucify them all and this is not the least marvellous part of a tale which although now forgotten is none the less true likely enough the holy righteous man might yet have been found in the future but as it befell the monastery was sacrilegiously invaded by a band of discontented rioters after ages of calm prosperity and the wondrous relic was carried away into distant regions and lost so that the very memory of it has faded from mankind End of section 14